2: This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because acclaimed director John Batham will be discussing his new book, John Batham on Directing, Notes from the Sets of Saturday Night Fever, War Games, and more. And you know, folks, John is one of my favorite filmmakers, so I'm very excited at the opportunity to talk with him. I just finished reading his latest book, and let me tell you, it's a revelation about working with actors and about successful filmmaking techniques. Plus, it's such fun to read. So let's bring our guest on right now. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, John. Well, I think he was here. Let's just see what happened. <laughs> Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, John.
1: I'm I'm here. Uh, can you hear me?
2: Yes, yes, we can hear you. We're so glad we can oh, hear you. I thought oh, maybe good. We had, I thought maybe we had lost you. It's such an honor to have you with us. What what an impressive background you have! Over 50 directing credits for films and TV productions. You, uh, your films got. Academy award nominations uh I believe it was War Games and Blue Thunder and and all the work that you've done on uh television and two Emmy nominations there and your first book I loved almost as much as I I love this second one I'll be in my trailer and then uh, I think that's being used in film classes world am I correct about that 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 is sort of a textbook that's that's being used in film classes
1: well, I hear lots of reports on that uh, that uh, people are using it for their courses and uh of course where I teach at uh, chapman uh we, we use that book all the time and uh' just starting to use the new one as well
2: well i i i'm really uh i really think that your your students will appreciate those those two books I just am so happy that you decided to share the filmmaking insights that you have in those books. And I really do think that they're must-reads for anybody who wants to uh, to be a director and also for movie fans like me because of the wonderful inside, behind-the-scenes information you share about some of our favorite stars. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but I want to remind listeners that the chat room is open for their participation, and I do encourage that. Plus, I'd like to bring on our co-host for today. It's none other than our favorite film historian, James Colt Harrison. We're very happy he could be with us again today. James, say hi to John Badham. Well, hello there, John
0: Badham, and welcome from La Jolla, which is where I am right now. It's a beautiful day, and I should be at the beach.
1: Oh, well, thank you for, for giving that up on, you know, to be here.
2: Yes, I did. It's but it's worth it. It definitely is and and we're always so so jealous of uh James because he lives in such a, a beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places in the world and I'm so pleased that both of you could could join us. And now that everyone's present and accounted for, let's get down to business. James, as a film historian, I know you have some things you'd like to ask John, so now's your chance. You're on.
0: Well one thing I I like to ask usually of uh, every director is uh, why did you become a film director? I know I think your mom was an actress and maybe that inspired you.
1: Well probably probably so uh I I certainly grew up being around a lot of actors and uh because of because of her and enjoyed Enjoyed doing it myself in college and high school, but uh, yeah. you know, I just realized I'm not a real good actor, and <laughs> and I probably, you know, if I had a brain in my head, I wouldn't be trying to make a living doing that. And uh, and yet, I I did find that I enjoyed uh, working with actors and, and directing them in in theater, and then eventually in in film.
0: Right, yeah, that, that's terrific. Uh, there aren't that many uh, directors who are actors. You can probably name them on one hand, but uh, that wasn't your forte, obviously.
1: Well, you know, I I do notice that uh, when when directors when actors become directors, they uh, quite naturally have a, a tremendous skill with their actors. And uh, they eventually can can learn the visual side of it. Uh, you know, we 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 know about some of our more famous ones like uh, like like Clint Eastwood and, and exactly, Paul Newman, yeah. but but even more recently, uh, you know, Ben Affleck's film Argo is he did a wonderful job. Uh, you know, not only with the actors but the storytelling as well.
0: Yeah, yes, he's he's great. He's one. Ben Affleck is one of my current favorites.
1: Great, great.
0: Yeah, what did you consider your big break as a filmmaker?
1: Uh, Well, I, I guess you know, on my, on my gravestone they're going to put "Staying Alive" uh, for (laughs) Saturday Night Fever. (laughs) (laughs) Only, only it'll probably be "Staying Alive" dash (laughs) not. Well you know that that
0: movie influenced uh, everybody around the world it It brought in a whole new era and style and music and dancing and it was quite something
1: well it certainly uh certainly took uh people a long time you know the film historians uh to even recognize that it was a musical uh you know because it didn't fit into uh the singing in the rain model.
0: No, you know, no, it just
1: it didn't didn't count. Uh well, it but, but now with me. Oh, I'm sure it did. Uh <laughs> but uh you know, nowadays it's uh, you know, it's been included and is on the Library of Congress uh list of uh, great American films. So, um we're very proud of that.
0: Well, I know it influenced me style-wise because I started wearing pants like John Travolta. <laughs> I didn't look All like him, right. but... <laughs>
1: pure, pure polyester, I'm sure.
0: Poly- polyester flared at the bottom.
1: <laughs> Absol- absolutely. Big big old flared pants. <laughs>
2: Well, that movie, I uh, I always try not to interrupt the co-host, but I I get so excited, I I always break my promise to them. (laughs) I'm going to have to Saturday Night Live. (laughs) That dancing in that movie, I mean, it is just absolutely fabulous. And I just go over to YouTube and watch <laughs> but, uh, I watch, you know, the John Travolta in his uh, white polyester suit, dancing with Karen Gorney, and I, I love that. That's so smooth, that smooth <laughs> disco. And then watching the number that uh, John Travolta did uh, – in the that was you know the floor lighted up and and he was just doing all kinds of disco steps. It was just even a Russian a Russian step. Then
0: mm-hmm. I haven't
2: seen it done like that. And I I thought, oh, oh is he double jointed? Is he double jointed? No, he <laughs> it just he just took my breath away. He really really well, did. He <laughs> he he
1: he worked. Really hard. That that uh, all that stuff didn't come easy to him. He, I think he was terrified when he first saw what the choreographer was suggesting that he do. And as you can imagine, those Russian type steps are just exhausting. I mean, you're, oh. you know, jumping up, lifting your entire body up out in space, and and yet he makes it look easy. And and I know that after we'd finish every take, he would just be drenched and and just worn out we'd have to sit down for you know half an hour till he was ready to you know try it again
2: yeah wow well, is it true that he wanted a, a um, black polyester suit instead of the the white uh if so that that was not a good idea the white it needed to be white
1: well i think you know like a lot of people they think black is cool and uh, and and so that's that was the suit that uh, that he was interested in, and and I I just I pointed out to him that black is magician's favorite color because it disappears, and <laughs> Good
0: point. and
1: and that's what they that's what they like to use because you know they have, there's always a lot of black around magician stages, and that's what was going to happen to him in the dark disco. uh, with all these flashing red, green, blue, purple lights, and Karen Gorney in a red dress, and there he is in a black suit. Uh, so uh, you know, he 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 saw the wisdom of white uh, right right away. You you didn't oh. film
0: any of it with a black suit, did you?
1: No. No. We <laughs> didn't have we didn't have the budget to be messing around with with <laughs> experiments like that. We just we had to. We only had two white suits and we had to virtually uh dry them with hairdressers after hair dryers <laughs> after every take. Well I, well
0: I have a question that I wasn't too sure. Was Jeffrey Hornaday the choreographer on that movie?
1: No, uh Lester Wilson. Lester was Wilson. the Lester yeah, like Wilson to get was,
0: things, yeah. I wanna get to was a choreographer. Right. Yeah.
1: And uh and he was a, a a good old Vegas choreographer that I, I had met, and and what he brought to the party was his his ability to not make people look like they just came out of dance class, I but see. to you know to, to to let them look natural and like they had learned dancing from each other. Right. How uh, smart!
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: And and look like it you know is a neighborhood thing as opposed to you know a more a more choreographed kind of uh dancing that you would see in the traditional musicals
0: right more more neighborhood style than polished
1: right I well, mean when we cast the dancers when we cast the dancers uh anybody that looked like a dancer i I would send them home i wanted <laughs> i wanted the little tiny you know asian girl and the and the big heavy set uh uh, uh you know nerdy guy
2: yeah.
1: uh you know the ones the ones that usually get sent home the first uh i mean they may have great rhythm and be able to dance perfectly but you know they don't fit the mold yeah and and i said let's use those they look like they they really you know that's what shows up in the discos exactly that, that's and, really
0: an interesting
2: insight don't you think betty joe to to know oh, that yeah. about the movie I did not, and that's, that's why I'm so glad that John John is here and that we're getting to talk about it. Now. But but John, you not only had to um, work with I don't want to say had to because this would be a dream as far as I'm concerned. Work with musical numbers in that movie, but you had to. And speaking of choreography, I think you had to do to choreograph or work with a choreographer for a fight scene. I, I remember reading about that in your in your book. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, it's funny because uh New York at the time wasn't doing many films at all and mm-hmm. and they didn't have any uh fight coordinators uh in in New York, so we brought, you know, a really good guy from from Los Angeles and he looks around and he says, not only are there no fight coordinators, there's no stuntmen who are you know 19 20 years old there's oh. a lot of big there's a lot of big guys who've been drinking too many beers uh who are kind of fat and chubby
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> have big beer bellies but uh I don't think we can use those so uh, so he he went out and he recruited uh a lot of uh young Puerto Rican kids and uh, trained them uh for for weeks before we started and then uh trained our our actors to to be able to work with them um which all sounded sounded terrific but just before we started the fights with them I got them all together and I said now guys this is not real fighting this is choreography and mm-hmm. and if you don't you know if you don't pay attention to that and if you start acting like it's real fighting you're going to hurt somebody, and, and uh, just yeah. keep it. Uh, you know, do the choreography just like uh, you've been shown. Oh yes, John. Yes, John. We'll we'll do that. No problem, John. You know, it's just like your your teenager tells you. No, Dad, I won't wreck the car. Uh, I'll I'll drive. You know, thirty miles an hour all night long. Don't don't you worry. Well. <laughs> I, the first time I said, uh, the first time I said action, one of my one of my actors, you know, took a swing and broke this Puerto Rican kid's nose.
2: Oh, <laughs> ouch!
1: What? Oh, geez, uh, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> poor kid, you know, we had to send him off to the hospital to fix his nose. I offered to give him a cute little bobbed Hollywood nose, but he said he liked the <laughs> one he came to work with. Oh. Well,
2: you're so nice, John. <laughs> you're so thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't think
1: the little cute ski nose was gonna fit his his image in the neighborhood.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. This is just some some of the kinds of things that you talk about in, in your book that I just love reading about and I I'm sorry, James, I, I know that uh, you may have another question. <laughs> well yeah, it'll actually be my I turn. Do. I couldn't I, help it. It's so interesting to hear the the
0: behind-the-scenes talk, because most people don't realize that fight scenes actually are choreographed, and and it's just like uh, a dance routine, and uh, that's why the fights always look so realistic, because they're already planned. But uh, Anyway, let's get back to your books, because that's why we're here to talk about your new book, but... What motivated you to write your uh, two books, especially the new one?
1: Well, uh, after after the first book, which deals a lot with uh, directors working with actors and how do you do this and, you know, what do you do when an actor doesn't do what you tell him to do? Right. Uh, and, wh- you know, why is that? What, you know, is that because they're just perverse, horrible people or what? And, uh, and I, I began to hear from people after the first book who saying, you know, there, there are reasons that a lot of actors just don't trust their directors. And and you say, why is that? Why is that? I, well, they, they never talk to us. They never try to establish any bond. Uh, they treat us like we're robots. Uh, like, they treat us like we're a piece of machinery, just like the camera or the or the sound recorder, or the lights. You know, you kind of hit a switch, and they're supposed to turn on and do what they're supposed to do. Okay. So, um, so I've just started uh, to examine and ask people, you know, why? Why do you think that is? Why does? Why do actors not trust directors? What What is that? And uh, how can how can I teach my new directors in class uh, how to avoid that?
2: Well, I I I thought it was was so well done that I I want to be a director and find some actors and and uh, put into put into practice the things that I learned from reading your book. <laughs> I really think it was just that good, but I'm too old. Well, the students? funny
1: the the funny <laughs> oh, yeah. thing about it, Betty Betty Joe, is is, uh, is that uh, every time I'm on a, a set shooting. And I and I get into one of those little slightly difficult situations. Little red flags start uh, going off and uh, alarms in my head saying, "Uh oh, this is just like something in the book." Oh dear, what did I tell myself to do here? <laughs> Oh my God! Where's my copy of the? Can you excuse me while I go look up in my book what I'm supposed to do with you?
2: Uh, <laughs> you should keep it right handy so that you can refer to it. And I just love the way you—you um, you just have such a uh, such humanistic values that you, you sort of uh, emphasize in practically every lesson that you talk about and i just love the way you you use uh courtesy and respect and open mindedness uh, as uh, traits that a good uh, director would would have and what what are some things that you you could pass on to our listeners about how cuz because i'm sure we must have some wannabe
1: directors <laughs> in the
2: audience what what can directors do to earn the trust
1: well, of their actors. You know the kind of the the kind of director that we sort of think of uh you know that's sort of probably in the, the public imagination is is the guy who's yelling and screaming and you know demanding things, you know, the very colorful uh, uh director and we always we hear about those. We don't hear about the people who uh treat their treat their actors and their crew like like human beings and not like, uh, you know, escaped criminals. Um, <laughs> and so, the you know, they get results out of fear. Well, you can get results out of your dog from fear, too. But anybody who's ever trained any dogs knows that love works the best and 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 respect and treating the dog right uh is is gonna give you a much better result and i don't I'm not intending to say that I think that actors are dogs uh a lot of directors are dogs <laughs> yeah uh that's right, oh my God, I won't even try to do my bad Alfred Hitchcock imitation uh <laughs> oh, where yeah, he, he said
0: was he the said, one I said, never said. Uh, People, uh, actors were cattle, and I think that's where this distrust has come from
1: yes, well, he said he said, uh I never said actors were cattle. I merely said they should be treated like cattle <laughs>
2: <laughs> branded,
1: <laughs> yes, branded so what's
2: the difference yeah you know? <laughs> oh now, well
1: you know if if an actor if an actor is coming to work with with a, a mindset that they're going to be treated like that, their, their creative uh, instincts start to shut down and their protective instincts start to take over and they sort of shrink into a shell and they're sort of like in the mind of, uh, of, of you know, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And you don't want that. You want somebody who is also saying, you know, I, I had some ideas about this scene, and, you know, what about this and what about that? Things you can discuss. Uh, and I, I don't have trouble with actors when we have these discussions. We just work it out, and and I get lots of good ideas from them because they know they can say virtually anything to me, and and I'm going to listen to it respectfully. Uh, just as I would, uh, you know, to somebody talking to me at a party, I'm not going to laugh in their face. And what a terrible idea! Where'd you come up with that one from? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, you must be well, fun he, to work with.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I like uh, so much um, the section where you talk about when you, when you're giving notes to the actors after after a scene. I just love it the way you say you you can give a positive. Uh, Comments when you're, you know, they're positive, but the negative things or the things that you think need to be improved, you all always uh, deal with that uh, privately. Now I hope you stick to that, and you don't
1: have to go back to your book very often to
2: (laughs) to check on that. That's
1: pretty. That's pretty easy. That that's something that was that was, you know, I learned way back when I was a, a drama student at the Yale Drama School. That that you did it privately. You never did it in public because people are sensitive to criticism, uh, and and it's it's always best done kind of quietly because uh, otherwise they they want to get very defensive. If you know if you have a little audience uh, for it, it's uh, it's going to be it's guaranteed to be a problem.
2: Absolutely, right. and, and,
1: and, yeah. and they and they don't hear you. They don't they don't hear what you have to say because they're too busy defending themselves.
2: Yeah, that yeah. they just uh, uh, don't get into the character like they should, and uh, so I think that's that's really uh, the basis there of, of building trust, that they know that they can. Uh, that they'll be hearing from you whether whether they're doing fine or they need improvement, but it but they're not going to be called out in front of their of uh, the, the the cast and crew, so I think that's really really good. Have you uh, do you have some mistakes that you're willing to mention? <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> God! <performed on? laughs> you, you
1: you don't have enough time on this show.
2: Oh no! To hear.
1: Don't, don't you admit know, any.
0: Don't, don't you, admit any mistakes. You'd have, you'd have
1: a 20-year cycle of, of, of episodes, <laughs> and I'd still be talking. Uh,
2: <laughs> Sorry about well, what's the you worst You know, one? That's,
1: that, that's how you know how you, you you learn it by making mistakes, and <laughs> uh, and I certainly have probably made every mistake in the in the book that I tell people not to do, okay. and that's probably how I learned not to do it. <laughs> And uh, well let's you know, have just
0: maybe one or two little mistakes.
1: Well the, the original the original title of my uh of my first book was, was called Don't Tell Me Faster. Uh, <laughs> and and I was working with you know that great, great actor, uh Vic Morrow, who was so tragically killed in the yeah. Twilight Zone accident.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Uh oh. And 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 I was working with him, um, and he he was a very methodical kind of actor. I mean, he spoke in a methodical way. It was always this kind of quiet, repressed anger that Ooh. was a quality that he that it came out from Vic Morrow, uh, and 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 sometimes it seemed like the the scenes were just going to go on forever. So I, I went over to him as a very young new director, only been directing for about a year, and I said, "Vic, the, this this next take, let's let's just do it a little faster." And he looked at me. He said, "Don't ever tell me faster."
2: <laughs>
1: and and I, I went, "Okay, okay," and I had to I had to think about it and say, "Now, how do I?" how do i deal with somebody who uh you know doesn't want to hear that result you know do it faster be happier be you know sadder uh how how can i tell them that uh, and you know i i had to, i had to learn how to how to say things that would uh give give an actor like this a a, a motivation uh a motivation to do it to do it more more quickly. Uh you know, I'd have to tell them things like uh you only have 5 minutes to get this idea across to this person. You've got to persuade them of your point of view uh before they go out and do something differently, but that's it's really critical that you do this uh quickly before they you know, they make a big mistake. So I'm talking to them in terms of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, they the easy one is to say listen you got you got to uh, get this done because you've got to catch a train in 2 minutes uh <laughs> or you've got to go to the bathroom really badly i mean the, <laughs> that'll do it you know, sometimes sometimes that you know just works to spur them on and you never said do it faster but you know if you can be funny about it um uh, uh, they can they can process that the actor can process. okay okay I know what you know I know what you mean okay fine thank you Ha, ha. Uh, and and you say okay we're ready to roll and they say well wait a minute I can I can you wait a minute I've got to go to the bathroom no not now <laughs>
2: I there were just told so, so you're many. just supposed
1: to act that you're not supposed <laughs> to really go to the bathroom
2: well. Yeah, I think that you've come up with some of the some of the great ways that you've been able to work with uh, with actors, and uh, you've you really learned. You definitely have learned from your mistakes, and and that's kind of a good segue into uh, one of the stories that you have in your in your book about uh, working with uh, Goldie Hawn and Mel Gibson in uh, Bird on a Wire, and I think you had to to really uh, do some persuasion. With uh, with Goldie Hawn, um about uh, the a roller coaster scene, uh, am I right about that?
1: Oh, in, in Bird on a Wire, uh, she and Mel were playing people who who had been boyfriend and girlfriend lovers like fifteen years ago, and they've just met again, and and she's kind of remembering some of the fun times that they had. One of which was riding on a roller coaster sitting you know in his lap you know how you sit in a roller coaster you're kind of folded yeah. one person inside the other and and they're just laughing and having a good time and this was always in the script and on the day we are shooting that we're at the amusement park and she says I can't do I can't go on the roller coaster yeah. and I go oh well why is that well I'm just terrified of these things and this was This was like the littlest roller coaster you've ever seen. You know, my one-year-old grandchild would be thrilled to be on this roller coaster. My five-year-old grandchild would be bored to tears. Uh, And and I I just can't do it. I can't do it. Now, inside I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. Oh, my God. And, And... and something said to me, don't panic, just uh, say, oh, well, that sounds like you're scared of it, uh, scared of the height. Oh, yeah, I'm really terrified there. I said, well, that's, gosh, that's a shame because it just tells so much about the character, uh, you know, to see them having fun, and we understand how they were. But if you can't do it, I guess you can't do it. We'll, maybe we'll get your, your photo double to do it. Of course, she'll have to hide her face, you know, and we'll never really see her. We'll just kind of see her blonde hair because um, she's not that good of a photo double. And uh, <laughs> and, and and so she said, well, 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 maybe what if you could take the roller coaster, you know, when it comes to a stop at the very end? Yeah, yeah. What if you could back it up like 100 feet or something and just... I could ride the last 100 feet in, then I wouldn't have to go over all those dips and, uh, you know, terrible ups and downs. And and I said, oh, okay, well, will you do? You be okay with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I could do that. So we said, okay, that's what we'll do. So I, I sent the the double and Mel Gibson on around, and they went around the, the whole thing once or twice. And then we put Goldie in, we backed it up about 100 feet, and it comes rolling into the station with the cameras rolling. And and she went, is that it? I said, yeah. She said, well, that was nothing. I said, you yeah. uh, know, I mean, geez, that didn't say, And Mel, Mel starts talking to her in her ear, and then he kind of looks at me and winks, and I wave to the guy who runs the roller coaster, and he started it up, and he ran the whole thing. <laughs> ran her around the whole... Place with the cameras rolling, and she came back. She was not only screaming with laughter, but her eyes were as big as saucers, and <laughs> or dinner plates is probably right. And she was so proud of herself that she did it. Uh, but we just had instead of just getting into a fight with her over yeah. it, uh, you know, we we treated it respectfully and exactly. And she came around on her own to a place where she was you know willing willing to give it a try, whereas if we'd fought with her, she'd have dug her heels in and mm-hmm. and we would never have gotten the nice footage that 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 we have now, and she would never have been as proud of herself as as she was at, mission at accomplished
2: <laughs> mission accomplished so you,
1: you know that that's yeah. a Thank goodness! Uh, you know you're so thrilled when when something like that works out well.
2: Oh yes, and and it was it was such a, a great movie too. I really really enjoyed that. I I know that you uh, you've kind of changed your opinion from um, when you started about actors performing their own stunts. You have a section in your in your book where you talk a little bit about uh, Barbara Parkins on a horse and. Um, then later i think you talk about uh, kevin costner on a bicycle <laughs> i don't know what's the what's the coordination there but the, how do you feel about actors performing well, their own show
1: you know if if, if you're going to have actors perform their own stunts it's it's really dangerous because uh, you know a little a little tiny accident can can just throw the whole production in into a tailspin and uh, you know, have, I had Richard Dreyfus in Stakeout uh, jump off a little uh, one one foot apple box and mm-hmm. onto onto the grass uh, to pretend like he jumped over a fence, but he's only jumping down twelve inches, and he he, oh. he jumps down and he promptly twists his ankle,
2: oh, and he's no. out of
1: business. He's out of business for a couple of days while his ankle you know straightens out. And you know, you know how that must feel if you've ever had that happen, you you just oh, can't yeah. walk on it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Oh, and then you say, "Well, how simple could that be? He's jumping <laughs> off an apple box for gosh sakes." Right. So you have to be so sensitive to what, you know, what you're going to do with with the actors and and if if you're going to be riding bicycles or doing fights with them as I do on Nikita, a show that I do for uh, uh, the, the, for the CW Network. Uh, yes,
2: it's a good one.
1: You have all the actors involved in the fights there, but they are trained to within an inch of their life uh, on how to do those fights, and, and it's kind of miraculous. And that's a big difference from actors who, who just kind of come wandering in and say, oh, yeah, I can do this, no problem, but they're yeah. not really trained. Mm-hmm. And and they don't really regard it as choreography, like my Saturday Night Fever story. Right. Uh, so it's it's a matter of tremendous caution, and and making sure they understand and they really are trained how to do it, um, because you the last thing you want to do is really injure somebody. There's no movie made that's worth hurting anybody. And right. and uh, and it can be wildly expensive if if you do you know injure somebody. Not to mention hurting hurting a human being.
2: Well, you were quite impressed with Kevin Costner and what he did in uh, a scene in American Flyers, and I didn't realize he was uh, so athletic either until I read that.
1: He's terrific. He. He worked so hard. We trained for six weeks before we shot, riding bicycles every morning for 20, 25 miles. And, uh, and boy, that'll make you strong fast. I was out there with him every morning. Um, oh, my. And, and it was exhausting because I was a little bit older than all of them. But uh, th- that training... Uh, got him and uh, Luca Bercovici and david grant uh, uh, really in great shape, so when uh Luca Berkovici his bike hit a bump and and they were going about forty miles an hour. it flew up in the air, he flew up in the air and and Kevin was gonna crash right into Luca's bicycle um as they're coming down a steep mountain and and he he literally levitated his own bike, over this crashed bike uh, mm-hmm. and, and and avoided, you know, two people being hurt. As it was, we had one person hurt with, a, you know, a, a, not a broken shoulder, but, you know, whatever's the next thing closest to that uh, in terms of a shoulder. So he couldn't ride for weeks, and, and uh, you know, Kevin managed to evade that because he was in such good shape and so athletic terrific.
2: Yeah, that that was really a surprise a surprise to me and that was another another great movie and do you know that we we are running out of time. I can't believe how how the time has flown by because this is so interesting to, to talk with you, John. But I think we have time for um, for another question from from James. James, I'm sorry I've been monopolizing, but but you get one more chance, okay? Oh, oh, I get one more. Okay. Well, John, you probably have been asked this a million times,
0: but I think our listeners would like to know which of your films is your favorite and and why.
1: Boy. Uh... <laughs>
0: I, I have idea. been
1: I have been asked it and and I've never had a good answer. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: you know I mean there there are certainly the films that people ask about a lot like War Games and Saturday Night Fever, um, and and yet I know it sounds like a cliche, but when you work on these films, you get to love them like your children and sure. and all their mistakes and blemishes and little zits. Uh, and freckles and everything, and you say you see the good and the bad in them. Sure. Um, so, um, I, I, I don't want uh I don't want these movies running around saying, "Well, John liked me best." Ha ha ha. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: Okay. Well, I, I'm going to buy that because I I don't know how any anybody could pick pick out a favorite out of all of these that you've done. I I just some. These come to mind. Nick of Time, Stakeout, Blue Thunder, Whose Life Is It Anyway?, Dracula, Incognito, Bird on a Wire, Short Circuit, American Flyers, the Bingo Longo, Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, and, of course, War Games and Saturday Night Fever, which are the two that you probably do get uh, asked the most about. And uh, I get one more question, too, John, and this is something that we... Uh, ask all of our guests. What's the most important thing you want our listeners to know about you and your work?
1: Uh, that I'm somebody who just loves telling stories and making things that people will will enjoy, and I don't I don't intend to send out uh, preachy messages or uh, the political statements. I, I want to you know. Everybody to have a good time uh, in whatever the film is that that we're we're making.
2: Well said. That I really appreciate that and uh, agree with your with your philosophy. And I am sorry to say our time is almost up. John, best wishes for the success of John Bateman directing. And um, I want to make sure that our listeners know they can pre-order it on Amazon.com. Isn't that correct?
1: They can, and and there's also an Audible.com version of it uh, that I narrated. So uh, oh, wow. if you if you if you if you like listening to this terrible voice uh you could listen to it for 8 or 9 hours i guess
2: <laughs> we can uh, we we like listening we like and is that over at amazon.com too
1: that's also at amazon.com when i finished doing it a few weeks ago uh i said could could you please run this through the orson wells filter <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, you sound you sound fine. I, I encourage everyone who cares about movies to check out your book. And but our time is up, so this is Betty Joe Tucker giving a big shout out to John Batten for being such a terrific guest and to James Cold Harrison for doing an excellent job as co host. Special thanks to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, as well as to Nikki Starr for all her help. And to our chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time for our fall. Film preview show. Mad Movie Man AJ Hawkery and film critic Mac Bates will be here to help us sort out the upcoming movie offerings during a very busy fall film season. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at RealtalkReviews.com. That's R E E L, RealtalkReviews.com. That's all for now, folks. Here's the talented AJ Daniels to take us out with a song we like to dedicate to all our blog talk radio listeners, and today, to Mr. John Badham.